Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. And I am your host, Philip Anthony. Thank you all for joining us today. And I hope you're all doing fantabulous. And fantabulous is fantastic and fabulous. Put together twice as nice saves time. <laughs> so I, got, I wanted you, I had to get you to laugh because that's. That's my thing. Anyway, so uh, my special guest today is Anna Williams, one of the winning candidates who ran for election this past November 7th for a seat on the Rosemont Apple Valley Egan School Board at large for District 196 in Minnesota. And that seat is, are you, are you have to run again now next year too for that nope, seat? No, it's four-year term. Oh, thank you. Yes, <laughs> Oh my God! I was I was hoping you'd say that because I can't go through this again. It's <laughs> too much drama for me. Well, it'll be another two years before the next group, so it's staggered. Yes. And so, yep, it'll be two years from yeah, now. Some that run you and some, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. How many are all together on that? Seven. Oh, I see. That's why. And yep. it's pretty standard to have yeah, seven. Well, congratulations! Thank you. That's amazing. You, are you excited? I am excited. I actually really am excited. I'm I'm ready to I run a start today actually and I've kind of been doing some things to reach out to community members. But I'm so super, super excited and I'm so proud for our district. I'm yeah, so proud of our district. Really. I am too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I like I said before on a couple of shows when I moved to that district, it was red as as an apple. <laughs> <laughs> Is that red or fire engine? I don't know. But now it's as blue as the sky. <laughs> Um, anyway, welcome to the Downright Upright Show, Anna. Thank you. It's, it's really nice to be here. I'm I'm so glad you came, and it's so great to finally meet you. I heard so much about you from other people that we have networked. We have the same network. We do. That was yeah. surprising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it is. So before um, we talk about your career in politics, which is very short at this point, <laughs> yes. Uh, would you tell our audience where you were born, raised, went to school, and any related memories of that time that, you know, that would be interesting to hear um, about? Sure. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I am what I would call a first-gen Minnesotan. Um, my dad is from Washington, D.C., and my mother is from Appleton, Wisconsin. Oh, wow. um, they met in Rochester, I want to say back in 1968. Um, incidentally, uh, a year before then, um, uh, the Supreme Court had uh, um, dismantled the anti-miscegenation laws in the United States. And so when mm -hmm. my parents met, it was actually legal for them to travel when they met and got married, it was legal for them to travel now to all 50 states in the United States. Um, if they had met two years previous and gotten married, um, they could only travel in 10 states legally without being thrown into jail. So mm -hmm. that's just kind of the backdrop where my parents at the time. Um, and right, so right. they met in Rochester. Um, and Minnesota. Minnesota, right? Not New York. <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, and then um, we ended up settling in South Minneapolis uh, around when I was five years old. We had moved back to D.C. and then came back to Minnesota and grew up in uh, an aging, uh, blue-collar, middle-class neighborhood in South Minneapolis. And um, I had an older brother. And uh, we both attended Catholic schools. I did. Uh, K Me too. <laughs> you know, I actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we turned out the way we did. <laughs> I actually loved my Catholic school experience. No, I did too. I it did. was all right. <laughs> oh, I did too. It was all right. <laughs> so 
all right. Yeah, Zai. I believed you. That was, is yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I sort of believe you. Um. Well, I, uh, if you haven't heard about my sh- – I talk about this on my show. I was picked on a lot as a oh. kid. I was one of those gay boys, and the kids were very mean to me. So that's the bad experience. But the teachers were pretty decent. But Good. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Sorry to interrupt you. No, you didn't. No, I, I love this. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that uh, my Catholic schools were very influential in my life, and I went to some pretty liberal Catholic schools. Um, talking to other people who have gone to Catholic schools, I think my experience was really unique. And so um, I went to uh, an old school called Holy Name in St. Helena's. They're probably still out there somewhere in, in, in Minneapolis. Um, and then I went to Regina which was an all-girls school for two years, my eighth grade and ninth grade year in Minneapolis. Yep. And then <laughs> kind of you went to an all-boys school? Yes. Mm-hmm. Severian High School. In, Severian. In, in Severian. It was the number one Catholic school in, in, in the tri-state area from wow. what I heard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And look where you are today because of that education. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, I had a good education. I did. I have to yeah. say that. Yeah. yeah. All, with, with all the you know the nonsense I had to deal with. Other than that, this, my 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 teachers were very very good. Good. Um, and so I think I I got a. I 100- think you turned out well. Thank you. You're welcome. You're so sweet, and so did you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. This is yes. the mutual admiration society I know, right? here. <laughs> Stroke each other's ego. Um, (laughs) No, and then um, I ended up going to Creighton Durham Hall because the the girls' school closed down in, I want to say, 1986. Uh-huh. Yeah, 86. And so then I ended up going to Creighton Durham Hall with a lot of uh, former Regina students as well. And what I loved about my education is we, well, we had religion class every day. I mean, that was just a given, and they throw mass mm-hmm. in there periodically, right. which was you had to attend. Um, but we studied other religions, and it wasn't just um, Christian religions. We studied world religions, and I so appreciated that. And it wasn't from a judgment standpoint. It wasn't from an evaluation. It was understanding um, uh values and ethics and uh, religious influences from across the world. And I think that really helped give me um, more understanding and compassion and empathy and curiosity around different religions and even understanding the the continuum of Christianity in general, that Catholicism isn't the end-all to be-all. Um, and it was really helpful in my life from mm-hmm. uh, going to college and having an English major and interacting um, with different people, which is what I do in my work. Um, oh, it was fantastic. I really appreciated it. Um, even and, 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 But I did not send my, my kids to Catholic schools. I, I, you didn't? I did not. The schools in my husband and I, when we met, um, we decided uh, to come to uh, District 196, which is Eagle, Egan, Apple Valley, and Rosemount, Rosemount, Apple Valley, Egan is the right way to say it. Um, because the public is there an order? There is. <laughs> I always mix it up. I start with Does Egan. Does it go by population or I don't the know. area? What do you? I, what's the order? I maybe Egan. It's Rosemount, Apple Valley, Egan. Why are we last? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it should be Apple Valley, Egan, Rosemount, or what? Egan because that's where I live. So I feel yeah. like Egan should go first. Yeah. If I'm going to center myself in this yeah. scenario. Well, I feel like it should. I don't even know which which of those three uh, towns has. Um, the biggest population. I wouldn't even know. I'm very bad with, uh, you know, uh, statistics. Population size and statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked it up a couple of years ago, and I know it's changing. I know Rosemount is expanding quite a bit. There's a lot of uh, new construction going on and development and 
Um, so, but I, right. I want to, you know what? I'm not even going to put the numbers out there because I want to be accurate. I don't know. Well, you'll, you'll learn along the way. Oh, sure I will. Yeah, I'm yeah, putting yeah. A, sheet, a cheat sheet together of yeah. all the statistics that I need to know or yeah. should know. Yeah, leave a little check mark in your brain. This We have to find out who, which area has the most people. I will. Today. <laughs> Today. <laughs> yes. Um, so in a previous life. You were a teacher, a substitute teacher. Yes. Yeah, which yes. is amazing. Yeah. I used to teach ESL, by the way. You did? That was my first, uh, uh, when I was in college, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. You needed a certain amount of credits and to teach English uh, as a second language. It was yeah. a private school. It wasn't a yeah. yeah, yes. So can you give us some examples of how that experience prepares you for your new position, you know, being a school board member, that did because you know you were there, right? And you know through experience what it's like to be a teacher and how you can help students and teachers. Yes, in your new position. Yeah, um, I love. Okay, so uh, I decided to. I was in between jobs at the time. I had left the Safari company that I had been working with, um, and I took about a year off and um, I went to a meeting, a parent meeting that the current superintendent had uh, superintendent had um, developed. Um, and the HR director came in and talked about this need for substitute teachers uh, struggling with subs um, and just kind of had a call to action if you know anyone. Um, or uh, even maybe you might consider being a substitute teacher. And I thought, yeah, I can do that. I would love that. What um, grades did you teach? Everything. Really? So you can do the K through gamut. twelve. Yep, you can do K through twelve. Um, I got a, um, um, uh, I think it's called a PSLB or PLSB. Um, yeah, PSL. B, I think it is. I can't remember the acronym. Anyway, I'm terrible um, with acronyms. I am too. Yeah, and there's awful. so many acronyms in the education system. It is. It's like a second language. And there's so if, acronyms everywhere. <laughs> My nerves are shot. <laughs> I can't deal with acronyms. I'm always Just say what it is. Up. I Just know. Say it. Which was what my experience was <laughs> yeah. when I first got involved. Was people would be talking and they'd put out these acronyms and I. would be trying to figure out in my brain, what does that mean? And yeah. I would just ask, can, I don't know what that means. Can you tell me what that acronym stands for? Anyway, um, mm-hmm. and I went and got my uh, 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 substitute license. And the first day that I was, that I taught, which was at Southview Elementary, and um, so nervous. I talked to my daughter who was in the middle school about, she was giving me pointers on some of the best substitute teachers she's ever had and what they've done for classroom management and how they were able to build relationships really quickly with students. And she was giving me advice. And so I'm in the classroom, came super early, nerves just like racked. Like I want to be really good at this and I want to make sure I don't break any students or, you know, do anything wrong. And this young girl comes in, this um, young black girl comes in with braids, and she's she's fourth grade, and she's tiny, and she walks in, and her eyes just get really wide, and she has a backpack on, and she's like, are you our sub today? And I said, yes, I'm Mrs. Williams. And she went to her desk, put down her backpack, pulled out her iPad, and took a picture of me. Aww. Like, you took a picture of me? I think it was the first time she's ever had a black teacher. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. That's why representation is so important. Yes. Like when, when Kataji Brown Jackson became a Supreme Court justice. Yes. You know how many little girls will say, you know what, mommy, I want to be a judge yeah. or I want to be a, a lawyer or yeah. whatever. It's Representation is important. Some, you know, I don't know why people don't you know, get the memo, you know. But anyway, I'm sorry. Well, it is important. And 
And I and I I like to think that it's also important not just for uh, black and brown kids, but for white kids as well. It's important for all of us to see diversity, racial diversity, um, uh, faith diversity, spirituality, um, gender um, orientation out there because if we don't see that representation in different positions, we can't imagine um, the possibilities and we don't know how to engage with people mm-hmm. when they take on leadership positions or when they're in positions of power. Um, and so I always looked at it as important for all students to have uh, various um, uh, diverse identities in the classroom and teacher roles and superintendent roles and uh, uh, principal roles and para roles, paraprofessional roles. So um, it was it was really touching and I loved it. Um, I loved how different it was from my own experience going to Catholic schools. And I had been in the classroom with my kids before, but I was really struck by how uh, diverse the classrooms were at Southview. Um, A lot of Somali kids, a lot of um, uh, Hispanic kids, white kids, socioeconomics. It, It really ran the gamut and something I was so... I never had growing up and going to Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. And so oh, I love yeah. that for my kids, and especially in the work I do. This is what a lot of leaders want. They want um, they want uh, employees and team members who know how to engage with each other respectfully and can work together mm-hmm. um, and um, know how to respectfully navigate. And mm-hmm. so it's I, I, I love public education. I just have all – I love it. I love it. I Yeah. It's wonderful. And, and, and how um, some – people want to defund schools is so upsetting to me but that's that's a totally different show right yeah and that's a long yes 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 it's a long it's a long story yes um so um now we're going to talk about uh your prior work with tb williams consulting because she was so proud of that and you smile and you glow whenever i bring that up so I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. And your, uh, it's work involving DEI, yes. which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yep. And what was the focus there? And um, can you give us some background? Background. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, so my husband was the director of diversity and inclusion at Target Corporation for several years. And maybe we could get him to come on the I, show. I think we could. Maybe. Yeah. So. <laughs> I think he would really like that. Todd Williams. T.B. Williams. Oh, he's the T in the... He's the T in the B. (laughs) In Williams. I'm learning something new every day. Hi there, Todd. (laughs) Wave to Todd. Where's your camera? Oh, you're... Oh, hi, Todd. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's actually really cute when we go out and we do work together um, and we work with clients and, and we introduce ourselves and they don't know that we're married. And so they kind of wonder, like, you know, we might... Like kind of touch each other's arm or you know whatever, and then people are like, "Wait, are you married?" Yes, we're married. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, no, so we got together um, after he left Target. Um, he had been kicking around the idea of going into consulting, and I really wanted to support him in that consulting work. Um, and I had already been very interested in uh, diversity. Um, and inclusion, partly because he would come home and talk about what he's doing in, in, in the company. And I, I had I'd worked for Target a long time ago, too, when we first met and got married. And I left after we had uh, kids. But um, I was really, really interested in um, 
what diversity meant, how to create more inclusive environments, and really struggling with um, even having, not always feeling in the right, uh, comfortable in certain situations, even though I had grown up around predominantly um, uh, uh, white family members and friends and schools, I always kind of felt like an outsider, and I always thought there was something wrong with me. And uh, talking to my husband about his work, and then he would give me books to read, and I kind of realized that, oh, this sentiment I feel I feel is actually, it impacts lots of different people, and not just black people or brown people. It's We all sometimes can feel like we're outsiders looking in. And um, exactly. and so how do we create environments where no one has to feel like an outsider, where no one has to feel uncomfortable or uh, be afraid of being rejected um, or um, just uh, shame um, and feel like they have to mask parts of their identity? And so we kind of talked about um, when we developed the company how we can uh, help companies create DI strategies um, but more specifically, where I ended up uh, uh, really soaring is working with executive leaders and doing advising around diversity, equity, inclusion. So building uh, uh, leaders, DEI acumen, uh, creating um, uh, relationships, individual relationships where we can talk about particular issues where they're uncomfortable with and they want to talk about, but they might not have a racially diverse friend um, or a family member they can talk to, and they don't want to damage relationships at work. And so creating really these comfortable, um, safe uh, spaces where they can bring up uh, concerns, they can ask questions like, why is it, you know, why is it okay for, um, why shouldn't people have to stand for the um, Pledge of Allegiance, which is one of the questions we got. Um, why do we have to talk about race so much? And, or, um, you know, I'm struggling with, um LGBTQ and it's against my uh, religious values. Mm -hmm. And so what we talk about, um, we kind of dig into those conversations. And there's a lot of things that I do. I, I develop curriculum around it too, to just really start with themselves first. Let's talk about your identity. Right. And 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 a lot of times very, um, many uh, white men and women don't realize they have multiple identities. Some of them are dominant identities and some of them are not dominant identities. And so uh, we start there first. So to get them to see that, yes, race is a identity, but it's not the sum total of all our identities. And so getting them to see, first of all, um, how to think about identities and diversity beyond just race and to see where they show up. Mm. And so I get really excited about it because this is where um, you can move people to feel more comfortable about talking about these topics and understanding uh, their culture and themselves better. And so they have a foundation for understanding um, better other cultures and na then navigating those cultures more effectively. So that's what I get really excited about. Mm -hmm. I want to piggyback on the, on that yeah. question that we, I just asked you because – there are bills that whitewash African-American mm -hmm. history, that promote the growing anti-CRT movement, anti-LGBT bills, mm -hmm. book bans. Mm -hmm. I can go on and on. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's nauseating. Is that the word? Nauseating? <laughs> nauseating. Nauseating. Sounded good. Yeah, all right. But, uh, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> you say tomato. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> They're being introduced and passed in some states, actually, yeah. too. Yeah. Luckily, thank you, Minnesota. Again, we always thank Minnesota yes. for being a sanctuary state for LGBT, for yes. African-American yes. uh, uh, education, yes. uh, for uh, 
everyone. It's, it's, it's an inclusive state. Uh, so as a member of the school board, how will you address these issues So in the future? Because you haven't even right. gotten going yet. What's my plan, you mean? What's your plan, yeah. So um, one of the things, I'll, 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 I'll use this example of a conversation that I had with a constituent while I was out canvassing um, in, in Apple Valley. And I talked to a constituent um, who was in their 60s. And a very nice man, um, more conservative, um, shared that with me. Um, and we sat down and we kind of talked about um, his concern about some of the things we uh, he had seen on the news where schools are doing more ethnic studies. And, and, and he couldn't understand why do we have to talk about so many negative things in our history? I mean... Wouldn't you want to? And this was specifically around race. Well, there you, were negative things. In our well, history, there right? was, but I think it, I think it's again. I, I don't know. You know, there's so much conversation going around around history itself. And here's what I realized: I was very familiar with African American history because my father made sure I was good. Okay, so I mm-hmm. had a foundation for sure. it. Sure. Yeah. Not everyone has that foundation, mm-hmm. and so. The, when they went to school, that wasn't part of their curriculum. And so it might appear that, well, we're changing history because their understanding of history has not, has been, has not been as inclusive. And so it can feel like this might not be true history or that um, why are we talking about these because negative things? Because it wasn't things? taught before. Because it wasn't taught before. Mm-hmm. So it can seem, and also this idea of to to add something into our curriculum means you have to take something away. Mm-hmm. And so, which is that zero-sum, right, uh, zero-sum kind of mindset around information. And what I explained as we kind of talked about it, um, you know, I actually think it's okay to provide that information um, because a um, kids need to understand kids need kids are resilient, and if we don't provide the bad with the good, we are not providing opportunities for our students to grapple with discomfort, to grapple with uh, difficult conversations to learn how to work through conflict and emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I look at it as a developmental necessity um, and that we want kids who who can work under difficult and and, and, um, situations with other people. If we try to create this idea that uh, this looking backwards at history and we only pick out the good things, we're not preparing that's kids not for the well. That's not history, and we're not preparing kids for the for the reality of 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 life. Mm-hmm. Life is difficult. It's not always sunshine and rainbows. Not a picnic. Yeah. No, it's not. And so, you know, when I talked about that, I think we came to some understanding. Like that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. It's not to take away. It's to have the option for others, and that that's okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that history, we should be looking back at history periodically and. And read because history is constantly being made, and so we have to adapt what we do teach. Yes. I mean, what are we going to? Like, history class is going to turn into like two hours because we have to go all the way back. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what do we pick? What do we keep? What do we what do, What do we add? And what do we take out? 
Yeah. And that, so it's constantly evolving our curriculum around it. Yeah, so yeah. anyway. Well, some states are, are just ridiculous about that. But we that's another whole show. I know. We I know. We can go on and on. I with know. That. So uh, Bianca uh, Vernig. Yes. Yay. Yay, Bianca. Congratulations. I'm going to wave to her. <laughs> she won the primary, and now she she's did. running against a Republican for the at-large seat. So yep. hopefully she'll be able to win that. Yes. Uh, and she was recently a guest on my show. Yes. And we talked about um, the negative impacts of Moms for Liberty yeah. and parents defending education and the, what, they ha- what these effects have on our children's education. Yeah. These dangerous organizations claim schools are indoctrinating the children and using pornographic literature in the classrooms and in the libraries. Of, you know, pornogra- I mean, I know what porn- pornography looks like. <laughs> Don't get the wrong impression, guys. Um, but it's it, it, that's what they're saying. Could you once and for all dismiss this this myth for the audience? So here's what I encourage people to do. <laughs> um, first of all, as a school board member elect, um, if there is an example of something that might exist, is it possible? Maybe. Is it probable? Highly unlikely. But I want to see it. So first, I want evidence that it exists in our school district. Me That's too. the first thing I want. And so I can't. I'm not going to say it's never existed. It doesn't happen. But first, I want someone to define what pornography means too, because how we use words is really important, and the definition you're using and examples behind that. Mm-hmm. Because I grew up with a mother who was a nurse, and so we had books about the human body and development and what happens and the changes that take place. Uh, could that be? And there were pictures of men and women naked in those. Yeah, that's sex in education. The, right. Yeah. And so that's mm-hmm. medically accurate uh, sex education. And so that was availed, available to me as a child. I wonder if someone would consider that to be pornography. It kind of depends on the lens. And so when people talk about pornography, A, I want you to define it, and I want you to give me examples of, of that exists. Some people think it's two guys kissing each other. Yeah. And that on is On the not... lips. <laughs> not on the cheek. Right. And Aye, so bae. Right. And so <laughs> Right. And so it's awful. I I before I get in, into any conversation, I want people to define it for me first, and I want to see evidence. Because of everybody's it. definition of pornography is different. They can, there's a continuum. It could be different, and so yeah. let's start with that first, and yes. then we can have a conversation. So do totally I agree? So do I think that two men kissing is pornographic? No, that is not my definition of pornography. No. Do I think that medically accurate, age-appropriate sexual curriculum around sexual education mm-hmm. is pornography? No. Mm-hmm. Someone teaching you uh, in school how to put a condom on properly, that's, some people think that's pornography. Again. But it's safe and, sex. It's and so, preventing disease. So when I worked with uh, women winning, um, one of the things that I learned um, as I was going out and seeking endorsements, and, and they actually educated me that the reality is, again, it has to be age appropriate. And I'm not, I am not the expert on what age appropriate is. I am not, I am not a, a developmental psychologist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, I did not go to college to be a teacher. Right. Um, I'm not the expert in that area. I'm going to rely on experts around what is developmentally Absolutely. accurate and appropriate. Yes. My understanding though is that when you do when you do um, have education, sex education that is age appropriate and medically accurate, 
what you're doing is you're you're helping kids have more body autonomy and knowing what is safe for them mm-hmm. and being able to have more power over their own bodies so that others aren't taking advantage of them. Mm-hmm. And I think teach, that's really teach important. Teach them appropriate touch, things right. like that. You know, right. appropriate touch, I should yes. say. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, – and I think that's really important. Yes, very <laughs> Really important, important yeah. so that, you know, our vulnerable children aren't taken advantage of. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So <clears> – <throat> excuse me. We had three elections coming in this, last, <laughs> yes. this p- past week. Uh, just very quickly, because we're running almost running out of time here. I want to get to the shift. We'll talk about the shift later. Okay. Um, what do you think of that? Why can't they just consolidate these elections? Why do they have to be spread? I have to go out three different times and vote. I, I voted once for you. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for that vote. I did. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. Look at you. You're amazing. And um, Bianca's election. And yes. now we have to vote for Bianca and her opponent. In the, yeah, in the general the, election. For the general election. So this is interesting for me. So I am not um, I am not a politician as a career. This is something I just kind of, I, I, I don't want to say stumbled into, but where my life has been taking me in the last five years. And so I just started learning what a primary was. I'm 51 years old and I didn't know. Oh, really? And so what I am finding out as I've been going out and door knocking for Bianca as well, that a lot of people don't know what a primary is. I'm right. not the only one. Right, right, I'm right. just I'm just more apt to say it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's pretty normal. A lot of people just aren't engaged and they don't really understand the process. So uh, once Ruth Richardson, um, uh, uh, who as our vacated Minnesota rep, yeah. Yeah, vacated the seat, um, they apparently didn't want to wanted to make enough time for the people to people who are interested to start campaigning because they needed a primary. Mm-hmm. And so the timeline just did not happen to run adjacent to <laughs> the school board election. And so, yeah, people I think are kind of confused. I was a little confused until I kind of saw it in my brain. Um, I don't know why it happened so soon afterwards or why it couldn't happen sooner. That was d- determined by our uh, Governor Waltz. Um, but here's what it is. So the primary was really just to kind of decide who was going to be the captain of the DFL. <laughs> For the DFL party, who was going to be on the general election ticket, and that's really what it was. And mm-hmm. so, very low turn, uh, voter turnout. Um, but she I, again, won anyway. But she won, which is exciting. I'm I so c- excited for. Yeah. I'm excited for our for our for B52, which is Egan, uh, Mendota Heights, I think, some in Invergrove Heights. Um, I'm excited because to have someone who has school board, you know, who's been on the school board for our district, and now to potentially be a legislator in our Minnesota House, it's going to be fanca- fantastic for our families and our students here in District 26. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. guess what? What? We've come to the part of the show. Oh, oh, there's a part? Okay. Yeah. This, Wait. Uh, yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> Strap in. I'm strapped in. Uh, now we've come to the part of the show I like to call the shift. The shift. But make sure you say the F, otherwise we have problems. The shift. The shift. Yes, where we shift the questioning. Okay. Away from your personal journey. Okay. And to your opinions okay. on current events. Got it. So now it's just divorce your – I mean, it could connect into your personal uh, journey, but uh, we, we just want your opinions on certain things. It's kind of like a lightning round. Sure. So oh, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll, fire. We'll, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you could elaborate, you okay. know, because, we, you know, we still have a little time left. Yeah. But I, I, I'm, I'm picking your brain, basically. All right. 
Okay. All right. That's some scary stuff there. (laughs) I'll stop. (laughs) You're amazing. So as you already know, House and Senate Republicans are becoming increasingly violent Mm. and amping up their vitriol uh, towards not only Democrats, Mm -hmm. by the way, but also to their fellow Republicans. Mm -hmm. What must be done to lower the temperature between these parties? How can we get them to behave like, like adults? Um, I think that we need to give them less media time because I I, I really do think that this is uh, show. Yeah. This is showmanship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Showpersonship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this is about. And I think it feeds some of the – it's entertainment. And um, I do not think uh, politics should be entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be very addicting. To It's like – watch – I don't know. I grew up on – at the time of world wrestling, <laughs> WWF, I think, World Wrestling Flood, long time ago, back in the 80s. And yeah, we knew so. it was kind of fake, but it was still entertaining because you had characters. And I kind of get the sense that um, some of these people have cultivated a character um, that they uh, they like to show off. Yeah, and but, it really yeah, yeah. inspires people to get engaged not always politically in the politically – I don't want to say politically correct, but in the, the most effective way. But it does engage people from an entertainment perspective. I say less media coverage, Yeah, well, honestly. My, my input in this would be that um, we're in an age – when I grew up, we weren't in the age of social media. There was no social media. Mm-hmm. TV, mm-hmm. Walter Cronkite. That's all you Yes, had. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Severide, those people. Yes. Now people are trying to get clicks on yeah. on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it yeah. um, at this point, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, whatever media you use. Right. And the more outlandish you are yes. against the Democrats, because Democrats are not really uh, threatening to punch people or elbow them like um, – uh, uh, McCarthy. Mark Wayne. Yeah. Well, oh, well that one, well, McCarthy, yeah. That was an interesting McCarthy one. McCarthy took a, an elbow to someone yeah. in his kidneys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, which to me is, I'm surprised he's out of jail because that's assault. It you is know? assault. And then Mark Wayne, um, uh, Mullen, a senator, he's yep. a senator, not even a, a, a yep. congressman. Uh, was 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 having a, a committee hearing with um, I think it was the leader of one of the unions. Yes, right? um, yes. I'm not sure which. I can't union. remember his name. Maybe, yeah. Maybe Brett could interject on what union it is. Yeah, I don't remember the union either, but that was yeah, quite the video of the Did guy you like, see that? spitting in so his he, hands before he goes. He yeah. gets up like he's and, and then Bernie Sanders. I love Bernie in that moment. He was <laughs> Bernie, amazing. Sit down. You're, 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 you're a U.S. senator. Sit down. Sit down. <laughs> Act like a senator. Sit down. No, 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 no. no, no. Not in here. <laughs> Not in, I love him. I, <laughs> he is the best. And so so it was kind of like WWF. It really and was. And it was frightening because I'm, I'm you Which, know, interestingly, I think yeah. Mark Wayne was a WWF. You know? <laughs> character. You, you I think are he, absolutely right. Yes, I think you're right. Yes. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I kind of wondered where did entertainment reality hits entertainment. It was really... It, it was amusing to watch, and yeah, if tough. I was if I was 16 years old in a high school, I probably would have loved to see that happen and would have yeah, encouraged yeah, yeah. it. But as adults, I really I just think, wow, there are some very dysregulated people out there, and oh you God. cannot contain your emotions. And and um, it was just really interest. It was interesting to watch, and I just think, wow, that's I I do I'm okay with being expressive. I'm okay with showing anger. Um, 
the whole like I'm gonna let's take it outside and and we'll settle yeah, it there was crazy. really ridiculous and kind of comical and I, I think it had the opposite effect for me. I just thought really right really yeah, yeah but yeah. but again when I say less media coverage and here I'm here we are talking about it uh-huh. here it is on the news here has been I mean Stephen Colbert talked about it all the late night shows did and so. We're part of the problem, though, too, right? I mean, we're consuming it, and then we're talking about it. I think we have because to— Because it's so out of the ordinary, and I then, think, right? Right, until something—and then the next time it happens, it has to be more out of the ordinary. And it just keeps amping up, and I think we just have to start ignoring it and not talking about it yeah, yeah. and not giving it any time yeah. so that people okay, will so stop. Okay, so we'll not give it any more time. All right. right. I mean, <laughs> it, is, it is interesting to watch, but, yeah, I think we need to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so— just behave. Behave. People. Be good. It's not okay. Bad, bad. Everything I yeah. ne- you needed to learn, you learned in kindergarten. They didn't get they didn't get disciplined as children. I think these people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Marjorie Taylor Greene and um, at all, as I say. Oh, MTG. Okay. So now, MTJ. I'd like to comment. I'd like you to comment on the following quote from Speaker Mike Johnson, or who I like to call Trump's Little Johnson. <laughs> And I again, I have to t- thank John Fugelsang for that one. Uh, you like that one? I Trump's do. little Johnson. Minnie Johnson. Minnie Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is a quote. It's a yeah. Here's this quote: "The separation of church and state is a misnomer. People people misunderstand it. Of course, it comes from a phrase that Jefferson wrote. It's not in the Constitution." And what he was explaining is they did not want the government to encroach upon the church. Not that they didn't want principles of faith to have influence on our public life. It's exactly the opposite. Your thoughts. Um, I guess I'm I'm tired of being gaslit. I'm I'm tired of being told, first of all, that I I can't. I mean, my understanding... um, and I'm, I'm a history nerd. I'm not an expert in history, but half of our founding fathers, if that's the term we use, um, believe that there should be a, a separation of church and state. And part of that was because of how much influence the Catholic Church and uh, the English Church had on the monarchy and had on leadership. And they wanted that to be separate. Yeah. Um, and so to tell me that, no, you're not – what you're reading and what you learned – Nope, that didn't really happen. Is gaslighting, <laughs> um, and I again, I hate that. I, I, the fact that even when the speaker speaks and we are giving so much again attention to misinformation and falsehoods is problematic. And if you say things, what does it take seven times for someone to hear something before it kind of sticks? There are mm-hmm. people out there who believe this. I mean, mm-hmm. Lauren Bobert said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they want a theocracy, right? And then, and it goes back to well, okay. So let's let's say you have a theocracy. Whose version of Christianity is going to be the lead in this country? Whose version? I don't know. You tell Spin me. Spin the wheel. I don't know. Yeah. And so, <laughs> whose version any. of the Bible? Whose version of Christianity? Ask yourself that question, because once you start digging into it, which again, I went to Catholic schools, and so we studied other Christian faiths as well. Who's gonna win? Who's gonna duke it out on the floor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> and and what? And then we're all gonna follow that. What happens if you're uh, a Jewish? What happens if you Muslim. are Muslim? What happens if you are Hindu? Hindu? What happens if you're Sikh? Honestly, atheist, atheist, right? Agnostic. Agnostic. Yeah. So what happens? 
If a little child, <laughs> I just want to know something. If if a child is in a classroom and they start praying to Jesus in the classroom, and then you have Jewish kids in there and even atheist kids who would feel like, what the hell's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, aren't we supposed to learn, mm-hmm. you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G instead of like, you know, the Bible? Mm-hmm. Because I don't believe in the Bible, so that would be against my beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, aren't we supposed to be... Um, like going back to diversity and inclusion. You want to include everyone, not exclude certain people. That's the whole idea of uh, of this country. Right. And so <clears throat> that's why you can't have one particular theology um, in the classroom. Now, if a, if, if a student, there are opportunities for students, regardless of their faith, to have faith-based um, uh, groups in the schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something you can do in the classroom, but you can have spaces for that. Mm-hmm. The schools aren't against that. It's just using indoctrinating kids on a specific theology is indoctrination. So when people talk about indoctrination, if you look at the word indoctrination in general, we are being indoctrinated into a democratic values. I mean, that's part of the, the, the purpose of public education. We're being indoctrinated into what it means to be a good uh, citizen mm-hmm. and civilian and be productive. And so, yes, there is indoctrination going on, <laughs> but <laughs> we are not indoctrinating kids to love particular partners. We are not, you know, that partners that are uh, that are outside of what they think is normal, what some people think is normal. Mm-hmm. We are not indoctrinating students to um, hate the United States. We're giving them information. And we are providing opportunities for them to engage with other students and to develop their understanding. And then those students can come home and talk to their parents, and their parents can also provide them information. Mm-hmm. Isolating Amen. our kids from information so that you know, so that because it goes against a, a particular family's values, that's just not the way public education works. Right, now, right. you have a right as a family to talk about what's important to you. And I actually encourage that mm-hmm. instead of saying, you can't teach that in school because it doesn't reflect my values or mm-hmm. my voice. That's not the way it works. Well, the difference between us and them, yeah. and I hate the us and them thing, I but, I, but I just want to say it to, you know, put this on the table here. We're inclusive. They seem to be exclusive. Because if you want to bring church and state together, you will be excluding people. You're not including everyone. Right. Unless you want to have a multi-faith, uh, 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 which would be a you know a hodgepodge of things, and kids have enough trouble, confu- confusion with their own religion. So um, pick up on that for a second. So— what I'll tell you is that, and I want to say that this is something that just Republicans do or conservatives do, because I actually do think that there is an us and them mentality. Again, I do the, I, in diversity work, we talk about different mindsets around diversity. And so mm-hmm. how we think about difference and the subsequent strategies we use to navigate those differences. And so polarization is a particular mindset. And in mm-hmm. polarization, we put people in buckets. You're either with me or against me. You're either us or them. And that happens uh, – frequently in different political ideologies among Democrats and liberals and and, and progressives. The main point, though, is inclusion doesn't mean that I have to adopt your worldview. I don't have to adopt or celebrate your worldview. Mm -hmm. It means that I have to respect your worldview, that I need to— Thank you, Aretha. (laughs) 
R P C T E T P. Anyway, I agree. 100%. That's what it is. Yes. And so, but when you start saying this is the ideal and the primary way that we have to engage, and that it has to be based on a limited group of people, that is no longer inclusive. And because everything else is wrong, that's not inclusion. And so, yeah. We don't. I don't want people to change their faith. Not at all. At all. I. You get to practice your faith. We will provide opportunities in our school district for your students to come together and find their their tribe. Yes. It cannot happen. It cannot be from teachers. It cannot be from administrators, and it cannot be from adults. It has to be driven by the students outside of the classroom. Right. Just like we do for Somali students. Right. They have places where they can go pray during Ramadan. Yeah, yeah. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Recognize humanity. Right. Recognize you know, that's it. That's the whole thing. Recognize. But you, you know. cannot proselytize and try to and turn someone yeah, else turn, to Yeah, think. And, and say that they're wrong because they're a different religion. That's or, different. Or a different color. Or, yes. Or blase, blase. And I think we do that. I do. I don't want to get into the semantics around more more conservatives do it or, or, or less Dems do it. I see it yeah, a yeah, lot. That's true. I do see it a lot. Mm-hmm. And so the 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 challenge is is to stop evaluating and judging people mm-hmm. um, and just learning to understand what's been influencing and how do they get to that and give it, you know, learning more about that person. But I still think that we are more inclusive as a people, as Democrats, um, because I, I, I don't I, I recognize everyone. I don't I mean, I, maybe I'm speaking personally. I hate to maybe use the generalization, but I, I when I look at a person, I look at that person, and yeah. I, I like you. I don't like you. You're a jerk. You're not a jerk. You know. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, so the last question. Oh, we got four minutes. What are your thoughts about the the so-called new code of ethics proposed by the Supreme Court justices themselves, but says absolutely nothing about the consequences if someone breaks the rules? Shouldn't the Supreme Court have the same code of ethics as the lower courts do? Yes. That was easy. Wasn't that easy? Yes. Because he's accepting, um, well, I say he, but a lot of them, uh, Clarence Thomas, Alito, um, and even uh, one of the Democrats, um, Sotomayor, was, you know, going on trips and taking money from influencers. When you have a culture of corruption, it, it will impact. It's hard not to fall into that corruption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it can transcend political lines. And so, yeah, we need to have a code of ethics and there needs to be consequences behind it. Thank you. And and that's why I think the the, the Congress has to step in and do it. Because if they, if they, if they, um, if the fox is watching the hen house, there's not going to be any chickens left. (laughs) Anyway, but (laughs) moving right along, this is, we're getting to the end of the show. So before we- I want to stay here longer. Did did you have fun? I did. It happened too fast. And I just- Come to the downright upright show if you're out there and you're listening. Anyway, so I I just want to end this on a, on a, a really happy note. Is there anything positive that you're looking forward to doing as a member of the uh, school board? Um, I'm really uh, looking forward to meeting with constituents from all backgrounds. Isn't that a great thing? Really, yeah. I am. And talking to people and talking getting their, to people, picking their brain. Yeah. And, and I really want to encourage people to reach out to me. Um, they, can, they can reach out to me on Anna Williams, F-O-R-196, dot com and uh they can uh or yep or at anna williams for 196 at gmail.com um let's talk yeah, yeah. Um, i am here to represent uh all constituents 
doesn't mean that we have to agree on everything, but I I will listen. I absolutely will listen. Yeah. Um, and just ask for patience and grace, and 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 let's be respectful to each other. But I really try to live by that. That's a perfect answer for you know you know listening, you know just because when you're in politics. You have constituents, mm -hmm. and they have concerns, yep. and they want to tell their politicians, "Don't close them off," and or or or, or you know, no, I I have my my people my people that are funding me. You know, I'm going to listen to them. No, you listen to the people that you are representing. And we have to listen to all voices. Exactly. All voices. Yeah. 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 Yep. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well. Anyway, unfortunately, we've come to the end of the show. We have an hour, an hour and 48 minutes, <laughs> a minute and 46 seconds. So thank you so much, Anna, for being a guest on the Downright Upright Show. Thank I hope you, you so enjoyed much. it. Would I you did. like to come back someday? I would love to come back someday, please. I know. You, you will. That would be great. I will make it happen. Make it happen. Right, Brett? We're going to make it happen. Absolutely. <laughs> and maybe yes. we can actually bring um, a couple of constituents um, who have some different thoughts around some things. Oh, my and God. And bring them, and we can be a group that comes and have a forum, because I think that would be great. You know, I, that's a good thank you. Because I, I think I mentioned this with Brett when we were talking about the show. I never had an op opposition mm -hmm. to my views on my show. I've never had anybody say, "No, I don't agree with that. I don't like this. I don't like that." And I think maybe that would be. And I would, I would love to listen. I'm not disrespectful. I will not get off my seat and lick, spit in my hand and get ready to, you know. I would. <laughs> you aren't gonna ask someone to take it outside. Let's take it out. No, I oh, would okay. not. That's not my. That's not my personality. If you. Know me, Anna. That's yeah. not me. Anyway, so for more information about Anna Williams, you can go to AnnaWilliams496.com and also TBWilliamsConsulting.com for Anna's DEI business and her husband. Yes. Well, can't and leave the husband. husband out. No, can't leave and, him out. And your husband's name is? Todd. Hi, Todd. <laughs> Todd with well, two Ds. Well, Todd with two Ds. Bye, Todd. <laughs> You're going to come on my show, too. Anyway, and to the audience, thank you for spending time with us today. And please look out for more of the Downright Upright show in the future. And it's on am950radio.com slash events slash Philip with one L. Finally, thank you for supporting the Downright Upright Yay. show with your clicks and all your support. So I love you. Take care. Mwah. Ciao for now. Ciao.